Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hello, DBP listeners. Welcome to our episode called Drink Pure Wine. We're excited today because we are bringing you a guest who is the founder of Pure Wine, The Wand and the Wave. It's a very clever naming. I know, I know. So David, say hello if you don't mind. Hello there, ladies. How is it going? It's going really well. I'm just sort of kicking back here, enjoying a bottle of uh, 2006 Camus. Oh, Ooh, nice. Excellent. <laughs> We, we, we aren't drinking that fancy today, but we are going to be popping a bottle of Liberated. It's a Cabernet Sauvignon, so we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to get into the meaty reds, and it's a 2014. Yeah, so Sarah's going to crack this bottle open. I'm really excited. So Liberated. So Liberated as in we're liberating ourselves from histamines and sulfites, perhaps? Yeah, because that's... That's kind of what this this is all about, what drinking pure wine is all about, right, David? That's correct. Being able to be able to drink wine without having to suffer the headaches or congestion or skin flush that we often occur when you're drinking a, a heavy red wine. I, I feel you on that. <laughs> so we're gonna we're pouring our first glass. Here is going to be um, just straight out of the bottle without using the wand. Um, and we'll kind of talk about what the wand actually is in a minute. But first, we're going to cheers. Let's cheers. And thank you for joining us, David. Cheers. Cheers. Okay. All right. So this is a pretty typical cab. It's not, not quite as a me- of a meaty say, cab it's not as, as we it's might not expect. As, oh, I don't get much oak on it yet. Yet. It does say on the bottle it contains sulfites, which most wine does. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that goes when we use the wines. Um, it is a 14.5% ABV. And I know Liberated also has other wines too. They have a Pinot Noir. And I think I Chardonnay. Believe, a Chardonnay, a Rosé. So you might see this in stores near you. So the wand is actually, we have a couple here that David was, he was able to share a few with us. And the directions say to swirl the wand in one glass of red or white wine and soak at least three minutes. So when I open the package, it looks almost like a plastic spoon with a filter at the end. So David, can you talk us through exactly the setup of this and are we doing this correctly by soaking it for at least three minutes? Uh, Yes, the wand was our first product that we came out with a little over two years ago and it was designed to really work for a single glass. You may be out in a restaurant or you may just have a glass at home or just sitting there with your friend and you want to just treat a single glass. And what we developed was an absorption chemistry that will remove just the histamines and the sulfites and remove any of the, the good things in wine. It doesn't put anything into your wine. That was super important. But my son Derek and I came up with this because we ran into problems with drinking wine. I had to give up wine entirely. So I said, Oh my well, gosh. That sounds terrible. Yeah. That sounds awful. And uh, we we live in Dallas and we rented a lab at one of the universities and over a period of months found a way to remove just the histamines and sulfite and uh, make it possible to where people won't have those side effects anymore. And so you keep it in there long enough to remove the histamines and the sulfites and then you're ready to drink the wine. 
So how long did it take you to come up with this product? I know that you said that you were doing that um, with your son and you do have a, you do have a scientific background. So how long did it take for you to kind of come up with this product after deciding what exactly you wanted to do? Well, it, it actually took over a year because it, it's a very easy thing to do uh, to ruin wine. And we <laughs> found out uh, several thousand ways to ruin wine with different chemistries that we explored. But the important thing was that we had several different types of technologies we incorporated into our final product so that we were really delicate with the wine. We don't didn't want to remove any of the tannins. We didn't want to remove any of the quercetin or phenolics or the resveratrol, fancy names for the good things in wine. Right. And we because the integrity of the wine, the taste of the wine was really important to us. And uh, as I was saying, early on we figured out uh, a lot of ways to ruin a gl- uh, glass of wine. And fortunately, over a period of um, process of elimination and a little bit of serendipity, we found a combination of things that works terrifically. So it works for red or white or rosés. It works for champagne. It actually works for beer. It'll work for kombucha. Oh, Any, anything that's fermented, we're able to remove those histamines from, from it. That is very cool. Um, it's, so it's saying 95% of histamines and sulfites are removed using this wand. That's right. We uh, worked with the leading wine testing labs. This was all third-party testing. That was really important to me as a scientist and making sure that we could stand behind our product. We work with the leading laboratory in the United States that tests wines for these kinds of components. And um, they were very uh, consistent results. We actually looked at over 30 different varietals throughout the world once we came up with the chemistry. So we looked at different varietals from Australia, Canada, United States, Europe, South Africa, and certainly different countries in South America because we wanted to make sure that it wasn't just a fluke, a one-time thing. And through that body of data, we confirmed that it does work, whether you're working with a Cabernet, a Syrah, a Tempranillo, uh, works on the white wine, so you're working with Sauvignon Blancs and all the wines in between. Now, it is true that typically a lot of people will have more re- more of a reaction to the red wines, right? That's right, and that was really the, um, again, my background being medical, is that that's the differential diagnosis, so any of your listeners would be able to understand that is a red wine has much less sulfites in uh, the wine than a white wine. A white wine can have as much as 350 part per million under regulations, and a red wine will typically have anywhere from 10 to 30 part per million. So you're looking at sometimes uh, 10 to 20 times higher sulfites. And so once we knew that, we knew that the reactions that I was having, that Derek was having, wasn't associated with sulfite. So that's one of the biggest myths that we find really throughout the wine industry and the wine community is they think it's the sulfites that are causing them problems. So we always ask them a question, which gives them the most reaction? It's almost always the red wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's the white wine. And if it is a white wine, then it, they probably do have a sulfite sensitivity. They may not have a sulfite allergy, like an anaphylactic response, right. but they will have a sensitivity to sulfites and uh, that could have side effects uh, that they may 
such as the headaches or the nasal congestion. Some people from sulfites will get swollen lips or a swollen throat, but those are pretty rare occurrences. So then would you say that the reason that people react more to red wine is because of the levels of histamine in red wine versus white wine? That's exactly right. The histamines actually come and they're regulated in Europe in nine different countries. Nine different countries limit the amount of histamines you can have in the wine because of the sensitivities that they have. And where they come from is from the skin of these really warm weather grapes. So they're going to be the Tempranillos, the Syrah, the Cabernet Sauvignon, these thick-skinned grapes that have a lot of these uh, histamine, they call them precursors. They're the actual amino acids in the skin of the grapes that will then be converted into histamines through the fermentation reaction. And what we, as an example, for histamine, that comes from the amino acid histidine, which is one of the amino acids in the proteins that you find a lot of in uh, Cabernet Sauvignon grapes. Wow, that's very, I don't think many people know that. But, you know, I, I, I think, can you explain just exactly what histamine is? So I think uh-huh. people have to make the relationship that histamine is like what causes like seasonal allergies and things like that. Um, but can you tell our listeners exactly what histamine is? Sure. They're probably much more familiar with antihistamines. Mm-hmm. These would be the Benadryls mm-hmm. and the Claritins and things like that. And the, we'll come at it from that direction. And antihistamine is something that blocks the histamine from that's in your body that your body will... Uh, induce when it's exposed to let's say cat dander or oak leaves or dust mites things like that and you take an antihistamine so it counteracts the histamines that are generated from the uh, environmental allergy what is happening and i call this um, liquid allergens and that's really what happens in wine if you're drinking histamines in your wine you're essentially through your mouth you're absorbing these histamines that are going to act like allergies. So you'll say, oh my gosh, I get this migraine headache every time I drink a Cabernet Sauvignon or I get this skin flush that makes me turn red and my ears get hot. And that's a classic histamine response. Or some people get nasal congestion. That was what mine was, was the headache and the nasal congestion when I would drink um, Cabernets. And it's very common. Some people get GI problems or you might have mild Crohn's or you've got irritable bowel syndrome or you've got some, let's say, rheumatoid arthritis and you drink red wines and all of a sudden the inflammation level kicks up. That's because you've drinking uh, liquid histamine in these red wines. And and once you understand that these histamines are naturally formed in wine, there's nothing wrong with the wine. It's been in wine for the last 9,000 years and it'll be in wine another 9,000 years because that's part of the fermentation. But it's just that people are sensitive to those. And our product is unique, and it's the only product on the market that does this, is that it absorbs those. And when you use the wand, it's just like a Brita filter for wine for people to kind of figure out how this works. It's basically a Brita filter for wine. You remove those histamines, and then you just throw the filter away once it's done. That It's so cool. I mean, being kind of a science geek myself, um, it's just, you must have spent hours in the lab figuring out how to create this filter because I'm sure people have maybe tried it before, but to to figure out how to to filter the histamines and the sulfites and not the good stuff of wine, you know, I mean, that's pretty remarkable. 
So kudos to you guys. Thank you very much. Yes, it, it was a lot of work, and we fortunately have gotten uh, a lot of patents uh, because it is unique. We have over 10 patents now for the technologies and different applications, and uh, it just the patents, I think, ex- uh, express the uniqueness of the technology. Yeah. The wand was the first one that you developed, but you also mm-hmm. sell this wave, and the wave is designed to be used with a full bottle, right? That's correct. And we call those use cases or just how people choose to drink their wine. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like the wand because it's very convenient and it's a conversation starter. You put them in your purse or guys will put them in their pockets. That's what I do when I go out and, and uh, gonna know I'm going to be having a dinner with some wine. But there's uh, most occurrences happen when you're at home. That's when about 80% of all wine is consumed in the home. So we wanted to come out with a use case where people could filtered an entire bottle and that's when we came out with the wave it came we launched it a little over a year ago it's doing really well and it's nice and convenient it isn't something you have to clean up that was important to us also it needed to be convenient um, and this was actually a disposable product you put it on top of the bottle you filter the wine as it's poured so 10 to 15 seconds you filtered a glass of wine and then you can pour another glass of wine from through the same filter and until the bottle's gone, uh, you can once it's done, you can throw that away with the bottle so that you don't have to worry about cleaning up anything. So is it almost like using an aerator, the ones that are attached to the bottle? It's similar in usage. Uh, and okay. it does aerate the wine as you're pouring. So oh, wow. So you get a... It's built into that to where it aerates. So what you'll often find is that the wine does taste more opened up. Uh, it is more drinkable. These are the kind of words that we typically hear from our customers. It's more drinkable, uh, less astringency on the front end, which you mm-hmm. often get from young mm-hmm. Cabernets. And the other term that you often use is it rounds it out. It makes it more drinkable uh, so, for these these young wines. So essentially, you don't have to, if you wanted to aerate the wine, you don't have to separately aerate it and then put it through this filter. You can actually, it's like an all-in-one. Absolutely. It does all of that in one, and it also filters out the histamines and the sulfites simultaneously. I do want to ask you a question, knowing all of this now, and having spoken to you a little bit before we started recording today, this bottle of Camus here that you're drinking, you did mention that you kind of resurrected it, and I'm wondering, did you use the wand or did you use the wave? I used the wand. Uh, this is a bottle of uh, a friend of mine. He, unfortunately, was doing a lot of remodeling on his house last summer. Like I said, we're in Texas. And the electrical guys turned off the electricity to his wine cellar for many days. And all of his wine got exposed to 110-degree temperatures. So his wines are – and he had some really nice wines. And this is, uh, like I was saying, it's a 2006 Camus. He said, hey, why don't you try and see if you can do something with this? Because all of our products have a technology that we've patented. It's called the Phoenix technology. Just like you have a Phoenix bird that comes out of the ashes, that's really why we called it the Phoenix. Because what you find is that when a wine um, is exposed to either oxygen or heat or light, it gets oxidized. And it starts, people think it turns to vinegar. It really doesn't. It just oxidized and it becomes really bitter. And what we found was that Phoenix technology is able to remove that oxidized wine. It doesn't, it, it, oftentimes they'll be brown or they call it brunescent color. 
So we removed that color. We removed those bitter notes. And this Camus was undrinkable. I opened the bottle about an hour and a half ago, and the cork destroyed. I, I actually um, had to filter it again to be able to remove all the cork particles oh, out, of the, out of the bottle. It was uh, in that bad of shape. But uh, through use of the wand, and I exposed it, I put a wine into a glass i swirled it with a wand for about five minutes the wine is excellent it's like brand new wow right so i was uh, pleased and i'm i've already sent a text to my friends to tell them don't go away <laughs> yeah. <this> wine. don't <laughs> get rid of it he should be sending a bill to those people that worked on his house that's what oh, i would be exactly. doing and he's got hundreds of bottles oh my yeah God. So no that it is... was a very expensive remodel. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 sinful almost. That's terrible. I, I would I would cry. I, I would I definitely would, shed some tears yeah, over that. No. So it's funny that you mentioned <laughs> the Phoenix. Um, Sarah and I are laughing over here because actually our very very first episode was it drinking the Phoenix Cabernet Sauvignon from Kunawara, Australia. Um, because it, we were starting something new. It was a new, fresh beginning for the Drunk Bitches podcast, but also because our own history is that we met in a place that we have dubbed the place that shall not be named to protect those that do live there. But we kind of met, and it was a beautiful the way that it happened, I think. We didn't really have a whole lot else going for us, and we just kind of connected right away. So that's why we, we call the place that shall not be named also the Phoenix, because that is sort of what we came out of. So We I rose love, from the ashes. We rose from the ashes, indeed. <laughs> we out, just like Camus. Yeah, so, so, you know, we got something in common there. <laughs> I think you had also mentioned to us before, so we, you have these two products. Is it correct that you are going to be launching another one in the relatively near future? We are. Uh, another use case is uh, really important to us is that it, we have, if people wanted to have the ability to filter a, a bottle of wine in their home, they say, well, I don't want to end up throwing away the wave uh, along with the bottle. I'd rather have more of a cartridge type product. Yeah. And we'll be launching that this summer. Um, and just like you were saying, it will not be named. We won't name that yet to keep a little bit of suspense. <laughs> that sounds yeah. good. The product that shall not be named. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we're going to be launching that this summer. A lot of excitement. Uh, it's going to be a really cool thing. So you're going to be buying these little cartridges like a curry filter kind of thing. Yeah. And you would keep the housing, very elegant housing, and replace the cartridge when you are putting it onto a new bottle. And when you're done, you take it open, open up the uh, container, dump out the cartridge and rinse it out and you're ready to go again. That's awesome. I mean, especially in society today, there's a lot of focus, I think, on re- reduce, reuse, recycle and making good choices for the earth and things like that. And so I think that's going to be it's going to prove to be really popular, especially for those who kind of do see that they're very limited in what they can drink. Um, because of their reactions to the sulfites and or histamines. And so, you know, I I think, I won't lie, um, and the other day you did mention to us some of the the characteristics of people who are typically prone to uh, the sensitivities. And, but my sister, she is, she turns red with literally everything that she drinks. And so oftentimes she will bypass um, a beverage, because a fermented beverage, because of the reaction because it is so intense so i am definitely going to share some of these with her and see if that if that changes things yeah so what are the actual what kind of people are more prone to 
these reactions? Well, we found, and again, we've sold over 5 million ones. So oh, far. wow. So this is uh, based on a, a pretty good sample size, is that what we find is that it's a lot of Northern Europeans, and, and these would be the blonde hair, blue-eyed, red hair, green-eyed, fair-complected people. And then there's also Asians. These would be people from China, Korea, Japan. Mm -hmm. And also we have African-Americans and indigenous uh, people groups because, uh, again, the correlation, and this is working with 23andMe and Ancestries.com, some of the things they've learned is that what you find is that these groups of people never drank red wine. So mm -hmm. this red wine is a new phenomenon for them. They're first-generational people have ever been exposed to red wine. Consequently, okay. they don't have the microbiome. They don't have the uh, ability to process the histamines that you would get with a Mediterranean-styled red wine. Typically, like in Asia, mm -hmm. you're going to have um, sake or something like that, and that's more of a beer. If you're going to be drinking, let's say, a... Um, white wine that you'd have in northern europe that's that's really been the experience for northern northern europeans or it'd be beer which don't have nearly the high levels of histamines that mediterranean styled grapes do so, so it's just uh, something that we've learned that it's related to that particular group of people that is really interesting so it's kind of funny because jamie is um blue-eyed and blonde-haired you got and it. I am brown eyed and brown hair, and I don't have the reactions, <laughs> and she does. So, <laughs> so a little kind of proving your point there. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Where I guess I'm a textbook case, but and it's really, really common. And what we find is that it also changes with age. So you've got, uh, for instance, someone who in their 20, 25, 30, they don't have any side effects, but as they get older. Uh, we lose the ability to process some of these things. So those would be what's typically called an age onset allergy. And that's, again, really common. And particularly, we find it women near middle age. These would be 35, 40-year-old women who may be peri- or postmenopausal, because estrogen is actually a, a cofactor for the enzymes that remove the histamine from your body. And therefore, women who are in 35 to 40 or saying, oh my gosh, I can't drink this red wine anymore. It gives me these terrible side effects, uh, whether it be a migraine headache or some other kind of symptom. And it's, it's, we find that's a, another really common experience that we've heard uh, from customers. This actually prompts me to ask this question um, because I thought that something you shared with us or the term that you dubbed it, I think described it well for me, at least put it into perspective, was the histamine bucket and how mm -hmm. in a person's life they have this histamine bucket and you can kind of, your body is able to accept a certain number of histamines, if I'm saying this properly. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But then as you get older, that bucket becomes a little bit smaller and it fills up a lot easier. And so is that, I feel like that's that could also be related to that, early, that age onset um, and sort of, decisions that we make within our lifestyles and things like that there's so much things to look forward to as you age i guess huh <laughs> well <laughs> you just have to yeah it's sounding really age good. gracefully i guess so that, that help you uh, adapt to that but yes that's one of the really helpful concepts that i try and talk with people about is that histamine bucket that you because you said it very well is that as we age that bucket becomes smaller typically 
and each person's unique, of course, but as we age, the bucket, the bucket typically becomes smaller because our enzymes aren't as uh, robust. We aren't able to have uh, that cleansing that needs to occur. And what you'll find is, for instance, for, for women who will get middle age and they'll have uh, autoimmune-type symptoms, they may get Sjogren's or they may get some sort of immunological event, and that's why we work actually with some really uh, premier organizations uh, like the Cleveland Clinic. We've been working with them. They have our products carried in their health and wellness clinics. We work oh, with wow. quite a few functional, functional medicine doctors who sell these, sell our products in their practices wow. because they, for functional medicine people, it's really about health and wellness. It's how can you improve people's well-being of their life. And so we have... Uh, several dozen practices that are carrying our products because it helps women and men be able to drink uh, alcoholic beverages again. I mean, I would love for my doctor to give me one of these <laughs> and say drink <laughs> free up. sample, free sample. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned 23andMe. Are you partnering with, have you partnered with them as well then? We're in discussions with them because 23andMe and Ancestry.com both have the ability to test for what are these called SNPs, these little pieces of DNA that are linked to deficiencies of these en- enzymes uh, that will cause uh, side effects from wow. too much histamine in your diet. So we would like to work with them to when people get their tests done, and some of you may have already uh, had that done, and you get ability to know whether you're predisposed to certain illnesses or syndromes. Mm-hmm. on that and those little printouts they give you this would be another one that we would like to have in that printout that oh it's sensitive. like they call it histamine intolerance that if you go and yeah. do a google search it's h-i-t histamine intolerance it's really a a pretty well-known uh, issue or syndrome that people have and there are ways that you can detect that by dna but then there's also most important for us is how do you adapt your lifestyle and your eating habits if you find that you do you have become histamine intolerant how do you adjust what you consume so that you have that level of capacity in your histamine bucket so that you don't have these side effects when you go out and end up feeling loud from a, a migraine that gets you debilitated for a day or two so i'm glad you mentioned the migraine or the headache um let me ask you this. I think a lot of our listeners are going to want to know, and I'm actually wondering this myself, if this can prevent a hangover. Well, the, the hangover is really a, a nebulous term uh, because what people normally associate hangover is with overconsumption. Right. But we most people, when they go out, they may have a glass or two of wine. For me, I started having symptoms when I drink a half a glass of some wines. And I'm a 200-pound guy, and I should be able to drink easily a bottle of wine, a bottle of half a wine, before my blood alcohol level would get up over um, 0.08, which is the legal limit here in Texas, mm-hmm. just from just normal consumption. So I knew it wasn't overconsumption at all. Uh, and there was one situation where I was drinking a very nice glass of wine and it, uh, I lost my voice for two hours after drinking just a half a glass. Really? In my background, I knew that this was not overconsumption and I, it was a classic histamine response. And that was really what got me on this path towards 
uh, finding out what the issue was. And I knew it wasn't sulfites either because I knew the difference between a red wine and a white wine and the sulfite contents in them. So that start, that really was the aha moment for me of saying there's something else causing this. And that, uh, so that was when we started Pure Wine as a company to find that solution. Now, did you, so I know that you said that you and your son, Derek, are the ones who are, you are the, the founders of this and the ones who came up with this product, who did all of that research and everything to get those patents. So do the rest of your family also suffer from some of these similar ailments? Did they also find reprieve in, or were they liberated from these um, <laughs> to bring our, our uh, wine our back into family it? uses the product because my wife's Norwegian and my kids oh. are all blonde hair, blue eyed. Yeah. <laughs> And my my ethnic background, I'm Scotch Irish and a little bit of Dutch thrown in. So. Well, there we go. <laughs> we're we're uh, right in that demographic. So I was destined to start having problems with uh, red wine as I got older. It seems like. So. You know, I honestly didn't think that it was a age related, but I really didn't think that it was something that was manageable. But also due to kind of, you know, my hereditary nature because we are very much the blonde hair, blue eyed family, I think. The flushing has always been, it was something that never really afflicted me until probably actual official drinking age. And um, it was only after that that it started with that red wine and then, you know, I think... Well, maybe not totally similar to you, but I, I ended up stopping drinking red wine overall because uh-huh. I was like, well, shoot, I can't drink this. This is so embarrassing in public. Like, what am I going to do? And so I went to white wine and then I found that it started happening with white wine. You know, the wines that I was drinking at 21, 22, probably not the, <laughs> you know, cream of the crop. So they made like the, the penguin one and all that. Uh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Your favorite penguins. But, um, I would suspect that there would be some of these, you know, less expensive wines that are more, you know, they're more mass produced, um, typically would tend to have more of those sulfites. But, you know, what I didn't really think about was the histamine level. And so I think that, you know, talking with you has kind of opened my eyes to that because it's not just always red wine. It's not always wine in itself. It's it's that beer. It's it's to be honest, sometimes even uh, hard alcohol. So maybe that's a bigger problem. Yeah, I think that it's very interesting that it's histamine related um, because I never really thought about, you know, the the issues that I, I had. I'm generally not super allergic to anything. This intolerance or reaction to it is really very much eye-opening. And I'm so intrigued about if this existed, you know, 15 years ago. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think you would be using this in college, though, just because in college, I feel like, <laughs> like, the thing with age, like, you're just invincible, right? Yeah, so, that's you know. true. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure nowadays, there's people that are in college that are much more in tune with this kind of stuff. And aware for it, than yeah. Than we were at the time, but I'm not going to give away our age, so... We're not going to go there. (laughs) Well, one thing that we find, and this may be important to your audience, but what we find is also women after they have their first child uh, will often have additional onset of allergies. And that is often attributed to childbirth and the changes that happen hormonally and then also uh, in their immune system. And what we've, these are just sort of anecdotes that we've found, but it might be helpful for your audience that that is something that we do see 
um, for women who now have had one or two children and they said, oh my gosh, when I was pregnant, I felt great. All my allergies went away and now that I have a little baby, uh, they've come back and gangbusters and that's a a common I would say a pretty common story that we hear from people yeah I you know I've never actually thought of that that's I'm gonna have to ask my my girlfriend yeah how that how that works but um I was gonna ask you too so we have actually poured now one glass that we've used the wine in and another glass without the wine to kind of test taste and I have to say I'm I cannot tell the difference. I don't know if Jamie can hear. I mean, it does seem like it. it's a little more aerated, the one with the wand. Um, yeah, I was going to say from my perspective with the wand, and I, I have no idea if this is how it works, but I actually pick up more tannins. And I'm going to – I will also come out and say this. This Cabernet, when we first opened it, it's – I expected one thing, and it was definitely not what I expected what I was hoping for. Um, like from Cabernet, you want, you want, do you know what I mean? You want like a powerful wine. It's I not, want a powerful it's not, wine. It's not very powerful. It's got the flavors I would expect from a Cabernet, but it's not, it's, it's not, lacking. it doesn't, it doesn't have the uh, oomph. Yeah. 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 So having used the wand, I do actually think that I'm getting more of the darker fruit flavors and the tannins. Now I know that this is, the wand is not meant to change the flavors, but I, there's a part of me that's like, well, the wand possibly removed some of the other crap that we don't actually want in the wine, in the wine, and now I can actually have the real wine come through. Like, I think I said this in our last episode, but will the real Slim Shady please stand up? Like, this is like the same thing. Like, will the real Cabernet please stand up? Like, can you show yourself to me after use of the wand? And I, I do feel like there is that difference from that perspective. Exactly uh, what you're pointing out is that, again, people ask, well, will it change the taste or the flavor? We always say it depends because there's about 25% of the population that has, for one reason or another, they can't really taste. Um, They may have had a really bad illness when they were young. They may have a head cold. They may have sinus issues. They may be on medication. So we just say it. You're just going to have to depend on yourself because that 25%, you don't know who they are. And yet right. you got the other people are the hyper tasters, those who are the super tasters. And so you, it's such a, a personal issue. But for me, I can um, almost all the time find a, a slight difference or a dramatic difference, like with this Camus that I'm drinking. Um, and what typically what we find is that when there is a distinct difference that people can taste, it will be, they'll say, well, it's a little more rounded. I can taste more the umami of the wine comes out or there's less bitterness on mm-hmm. that or there's less astringency on the front end and the way we've explained this and this was actually we worked with one of the leading sommelier schools in the united states it's uh, down at florida international university and we had two different groups of people do these studies um, for one of them was a sommelier uh, class that was um, very well trained another one was just lay people and we did this carefully controlled study. And what they found was that irrespective of whether you're a sommelier or whether you're a uh, layperson, you do um, typically find not much difference in the wine. But when we did a forced choice where you had to say, which one did, did you prefer? It was like three to one, uh, the treated wine, just like what you were <clears throat> experiencing just now. And it just seems to be more drinkable 
and particularly when you have the health benefits of that it's just like why wouldn't you filter your wine because you one person called it an insurance policy you now know that when you drink wine you're not going to have the side effects and you're not going to wake up feeling terrible the next day yeah i i actually what you just described just reminds me when like you go to the eye doctor and they say, which is better, lens one or lens two? And you're like, but they're like the same. And they, they force you to choose one. Mm-hmm. I so it's, I'm not a fan of that. It, <laughs> it's, but it's, you know, you kind of need to make this decision overall. And it's almost like your gut will kind of guide you in whatever way it really is wanting to guide itself. So, no, I, I, I think that's interesting. I think it would be very cool to try the wave to see how it would yeah, change. even. So- Maybe a slightly higher price point because I know that this particular wine is about $12. So if we went into perhaps a higher price bracket, I'm wondering if there would be more of a difference. So I guess that brings me to the question, this wine is $12. That's cheaper than I would usually like to drink my wine. Um, But that being said, will this make cheaper wine more drinkable? Because you're kind of taking out some of the crap that people who make cheap wine put in. I mean, I'm I'm I, I kind of I'm not before, trying to so judge, okay. but I mean, will this like if I have like a bottle, you know, let's say I'm going to I don't know an event, and sometimes they have a house wine, and you're like, oh god, what is this house wine? You know, it's probably some like. Maybe not as bad as two buck chuck, but like something, <laughs> something in that eight to ten dollar range, where you're like, do I really want to drink this, or should I just go with like a vodka cranberry? You know, yeah. will or this a glass of water? Yeah, exactly. Or a glass of water. Yeah. Will this help that cheaper glass of wine that maybe you know you would avoid drinking? Well, I think the best way to do that without uh, again throwing wine under the bus, so to speak, is that <laughs> typically what uh, the cheaper wines are made out of lower quality grapes, or right. they they don't do the necessary hand culling mm-hmm. of the grapes, and sure. or there was uh, some sort of oh bad weather condition mm-hmm. like wet fall where they they ended up getting musty or some sort of mildew came through the vineyard. And what you'll find is that that shifts the fermentation. And okay. you will have those off-quality grapes create an off-quality off quality wine. So even terrific vineyards can have really off-quality grapes um, that would get, give bad wine. So that's not a good thing to have. But what, what that said is that when you have lower-quality grapes, you typically have higher histamine levels in them. So okay. people say, okay. oh my gosh, I drink that crappy wine and I got a bad headache. So yes, that is a good correlation. You do see oftentimes the lower quality wines have higher histamine levels in them because they were made with uh, the low quality grapes that have been exposed to some other conditions. So yes, however, you can have a very heavy full-bodied wine. The one that I lost my voice on, it was... Um, and it was a friend who has his own winery. It's probably a $500 bottle of wine. Wow. And I lost my voice in um, 15 minutes. So it doesn't necessarily have to be associated with low-quality wine. It can be a very elegant wine, um, but it just has a lot of histamines in it because of the type of grapes 
it was made out of. Yeah, I was, and actually that makes me wonder too, and I, I mean, I could be totally wrong because I do not have any sort of a scientific or geographical background whatsoever, but... You know, from the histamines, you you did mention that it can be very much up to sort of like the varietal, right? Um, but yes. also, I wonder if the ge- the geographic location might be indicative of whether or not you may be more prone to having these reactions in addition to the quality. So obviously, there are a bunch of factors, but I just think about certain weather conditions. Like you, if you're not technically from, I'm from Chicago, and so when I went to school in St. Louis... I developed an allergy to like seasonal allergies and I'd never had seasonal allergies. It was so bizarre to me. It it made no sense, but it's because you have different pollens, different everything in the air. And so your body is going to react differently to that because it's not used to it. Maybe sort of in light of some of the, what you said before about maybe the Asian population where we're now having some of those more first generation red wine drinkers. And so it's the first time that they're really being exposed to these particular histamines from the red grapes. So do you think that that plays a role as well? And maybe people should try to kind of test things out about different locations of wines too? I think it, it really does. For instance, because again, these were based on our analytical tests, is that we found, for instance, a Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley in Oregon will have a lot, a lot lower level of histamine than a Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, warm mm-hmm. Napa, or down near Santa Barbara, or some of the western parts of Texas. Or you go into the Mediterranean, where you're going to have like a Rioja Tempranillo. You're mm-hmm. going to end up having high levels of histamines because the type of grapes that they use are very thick. They have to because it's very hot and dry, and for the grapes to survive, they've got to have thick skin so that they don't lose moisture. They don't desiccate, and that will create certain proteins in the grape skin that will lead to high histamine levels in the grape. So it it certainly does, and it uh, will be impacted by the weather conditions for that year. If you've had a really cool growing season you're going to have a different style of wine because they're made out of different types of grape properties yeah uh, for that for that year i admittedly have been doing some studying on wine um for a couple different certifications and i think you know one thing that i've i've heard of is that you know sometimes there may be you know depending upon where the grapes are from and what they're intended to be used for, you might have that differentiation between, say, the quality of those grapes and whether or not they go through like a really hand-selected harvest or hand-selected sort, if you will. Um, But I think also, um, you know, the use of, and this is something I wanted to get back to that Sarah had mentioned when she looked at the bottle, where it contains sulfites. And so there is a very, I think, I think you could tell me if I'm wrong, but a pretty low threshold with respect to if your wine is going to contain more than, I think it's 10 parts per million sulfites, you have to have on your label, even if it's going to be exported to the U.S. from you know an overseas country, that you have to say contain sulfites on the label. But so is there any way or what have you, what have you learned in terms of some of your experiments, perhaps, um, regarding the level of sulfites, because I feel like it's going to be so incredibly rare to see a wine that does not have the phrase contain sulfites on it, just given the low threshold. 
And, I, and that's the most important thing, I think, that for us, we didn't want to condemn sulfites. Sulfites right. have been used in wine even since the Roman era. Right. And it's really important for good stability of wine so that you've got good shelf life, right. you've got yeah. a longevity of that, and you, you are getting more and more wines that are biodynamic, you're probably familiar with that term, mm-hmm. or yeah. more natural, and if you don't put sulfites into those wines, they really don't have the shelf life. You open those up, and after they've been stored for just a few years, and they've already gone bad. Right, they've already gone bad. They won't even make it to the wine store. That's right. And so that's the last thing I'm, I'm wanting to indicate is that the sulfites are bad. They're essential to good quality wine industry. And, but you don't need them in wine once it's open, once you're getting ready to drink it. Yeah. Because the sulfites, they're a whole category of compounds, everything from hydrogen sulfide to sulfites. And they're some of the most pungent chemicals in nature and so when you a few minutes ago mentioned about removing those they, they're actually taste masking agents that's the best way to think of them just like you taste mask medicines for little kids you make them in a syrup or you put a, a grape flavor that's actually what sulfites are doing in the wine they're masking some of the really natural taste of, of wine so once you remove that say, oh my gosh this wine tastes better it's got it's it's more robust i can actually um feels like there's there's more fruitiness to it because it isn't, it isn't as though you've changed the wine in the sense of the constituents in the true wine you've just removed some of the masking mm-hmm. um, effect that the sulfites are providing so um again so it's like will the real cabernet sauvignon please stand up like you're taking away that mask and bringing the reality of it kind of to the forefront so is there That's any right. Is there any other product like yours out there? Because I haven't seen there anything. There isn't. Um, there's some products that are uh, able to, or at least they say they are, uh, able to remove the sulfites. And okay. they all use hydrogen peroxide. It's the same what? hydrogen peroxide that you use. Uh, you go down to CVS Pharmacy and you buy a 3% hydrogen peroxide. It's the same thing. So you'll have, you can go to uh, the internet and you'll find little drops that you drop into your wine. Or Wait. there'll be little... Applicators that you stir and it removes the sulfite. To be honest, we haven't really found those in our testing really to work unless you end up loading so much peroxide, hydrogen peroxide, into the wine to where it really tastes bad. It tastes chemical. Right. I used to use that to clean my ears when I got my ears pierced. When I was a child. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to drink that. Wow. It's, it, most people don't realize that that's really, those who buy those products, I don't think they realize that they're putting hydrogen peroxide in, in their wine. And, and it shouldn't surprise people is that the hydrogen peroxide is actually going to react with the wine more quickly than it's going to react with the sulfites because the sulfites are at very low levels and the antioxidants in red wine are at very high levels. So the peroxide reacts with the antioxidants in the red wine and, and never really has a chance to neutralize the sulfites until you have to put so much hydrogen sulfide in, I mean, the hydrogen peroxide in there that it really tastes bad. So wow. uh, we've done a lot of tasting tests on that and it's uh, I'm surprised that uh, people would do that. But they don't need to. Our product removes the sulfites and it removes the histamine simultaneously. Wow. Yeah, I haven't heard of those. That's, <laughs> that's shocking. That's interesting. Good for you. <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, so, 
my other question here is, as I'm drinking this glass of wine with that I have treated with the wand and I'm pouring myself, you know, more because that's just what I do. Um, <laughs> that's, that's what we do on DVP. Yeah. Does it, does it still work if I'm pouring more into my glass or do I need to get another wand out? Uh, we, again, I try and answer that one with it depends, uh, okay. really how people drink their wine. First of all, if you're in Texas, you're going to pour a Texas size pour. What's so that? Is you that... have 10 to 12 ounces when a normal pour is supposed to be six ounces. So Sarah, I think that we need to move to Texas. Uh, I don't know. Us in Wisconsin really can drink too. So I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's probably the same. <laughs> so I think, uh, it will also be important thing to, make sure people understand is that we've designed the product so that it's really for the people who have the most severe side effects in mind. So if you, if you're a a person who gets really bad headaches, uh, or you have certain types of GI distress, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, you again, you get side effects from Crohn's or other immune, you really are going to want to use this as indicated on the label. So you really determine what's the safe threshold for you. It may be a one wand per glass of wine, especially if you're going to be drinking a Cabernet Sauvignon. You're going to be drinking a a white um, or a rosé wine. Mm -hmm. Uh, You could probably have a, a, a large glass of wine or two glasses of wine safely with a wand. So we, we have to allow that customer to determine that because there's such a broad spectrum of uh, insensitivities sure. um, All right. to the wine, things that are going to be intolerances to the wine. Those sensitivities are really unique to each individual. So titrate to effect is what you're telling me. That's, uh, that's the best advice we can give to people. Uh, for me, uh, yes, I can drink a glass of wine and then top it off with another glass and use one wand for that. But uh, we try not to encourage people to do that unless they're sure about how the results will be. Because the last <laughs> thing we want to have is people say, oh my gosh, I used your product and it didn't work. Right. You know, well, it's because you, you drink a whole bottle of wine and you <laughs> only use one wand. Yeah, right? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so... Um, that I think is important for people to realize is that they, they are unique people, each person, and they'll have unique responses to certain types of wine and they need to understand, uh, how to use our product effectively. Okay. So just, sorry, (laughs) I'm, I'm like stifling my laughter because Sarah spoke very scientifically just now. Uh, titrate until what effect effect okay so so when we say titrate that means be on the conservative side go with you know pour like your an actual wine glass size like a five ounce pour so it means it means kind of like start with the higher end and try to pare it down start with your lower end and try to go so like oh okay yeah. all right see I needed that I needed that clarification because yeah. I was so like you're Wait, gonna what? you can test it right okay so like you can test yourself like is an is a glass and a half gonna be okay for this, me like let me a glass works with one wand but let me try a glass and and a, a half quarter okay and see how that works let me try a glass and a half and then the point that you start having symptoms is the point that you know where your wand versus glass. That ratio is yeah, there. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, no, that helps. And so basically that means that um, we are 
proposing that everybody conduct their own science experiments. Yes. With right? wine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what better science experiments to conduct than with wine? I, mean, I come on. You know what? My, I will use myself as a, <laughs> as a, a test subject, so... <laughs> I want to use my mother-in-law and my sister as a test subject, as test subjects. Well, I'll drink to that too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm looking at your the package and it says that we can recycle this. So is the product itself recyclable? The, the only thing that isn't recyclable is the little, if you're looking at the wand, it's going to be the little... Um, we call it the head or the, the top part of that where the resin beads are. You can actually take the little handles. They're, they're completely recyclable. Okay. Obviously, all the packaging material is recyclable. And then on the wave where you're putting it on the whole bottle, it's made out of uh, biocompostable material. The plastics are. So okay. we were very keen on that. So that's why you'll see there on our packaging that you, you can recycle that also. So it's easy on the environment. And I do appreciate, really I do appreciate the BPA free here, as oh, well. I didn't notice that. That's no. We've designed good. it really to try and take into account uh, all of the important things related to the environmental issues with plastics, and that's why we uh, have used plastics that are biorenewable type plastics. Nice. That. The other thing I enjoy as I open up the package is that it comes. Inside, there's a little card here that says, let's stir up a conversation, and you've got different questions. Uh So that's kind of fun if you're sitting in a bar and you're able to, um, you know, like chit-chat with with your friend by pulling this out. Like like you said, the wand itself is a conversation starter, but this then kind of continues the conversation. Yeah, we have two yes. different ones here. This is so exciting. Oh, my God. No, what, I love is, this. What's yours? I don't want to disclose because... Why? Oh, okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> so the question here is, what's the most significant way you've been helped by someone else? Ever? Sure. I can't answer that. Recently? I don't know. I mean, we would need a whole nother podcast for me to answer Oh, that. I think... Actually, these are, this is, these are great questions for another yeah. podcast. What's yours? Uh, when you picture big achievements in your life, what comes to mind first? Oh. Again, I mean, that's... that's. It's going to require a little bit of thought, yeah. but I like these questions. Who comes up with these questions, David? Oh, we, we have a, a good selection of people. It's mostly family members who we just sit around and think of ideas that would be uh, over a glass or a meal. You'd find out more about the other person. So we, yeah. that's the intent is to really be... Conviviality is what we say. That's really, it's all about conviviality. Getting to know people better and enjoying uh, that person that you're with and enjoying the meal or the the beverage that you're drinking. Can we be part of your family? (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like a fun conversation. (laughs) I like it. Be careful what you ask for. (laughs) Um, So where can our listeners find your product? We've been uh, really uh, excited about the kind of interest we've had in our product, and I think it has to do with uniqueness. So early on, uh, we were quickly quickly picked up by large chains like Total Wine and More, and then the Upper Midwest Meyer Grocery Store, the West Coast Bevmo, Costco now carries us worldwide. Oh wow! It's, it's just really. Uh, I could go on and on, but we're in several thousand locations now in the United States. 
and everything from drug stores to grocery stores to wine and liquor stores, mom and pop, gift and gourmet. We're actually, as we mentioned, in doctor's offices. We're <laughs> here incredible. in Texas. I don't know if it's true up where you are, but in Texas, you have a lot of these nail salons and beauty parlors <gasps> that serve yes. wine. Yeah. And so we have some of them who are ordering our products because they like to give it out to the ladies there who are having their their nails done or something like oh, that. Oh, nice. So we've got uh, a lot of different channels. Well, uh, you, you, you definitely products. said the key word, which is Costco. <laughs> because I think, <laughs> I think everybody goes to Costco. And once it's there, it's like you've made it, you know. So, um, how, so do you know how many come in a Costco package? Because that seems like, I mean, you'd be set for a good, good amount of time. Well, what we've done is that it's actually a combo pack. So uh, the combo pack is, you know, how they like to put things together. So it's a combo pack of 10 wands. So that's our 10 pack and then two waves. That's what you get in the Costco pack. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. How about all those different use cases, whether it's uh, a glass or a bottle, you'll be able to do that. How about like in different bars or restaurants? Are they we, so- we have some of those. Um, we The issue that you have with that is that, and we've, we've had quite a bit of interest in that, but you have to go through all that training. And that's really oh. been something that we haven't quite figured out how to do that because you have such turnover in bar staff. That's true. Right. Uh, and the, the, you have to be able to educate the people who are at the restaurant about our product, and they may want to know more about histamines or sulfites. So if the restaurant is really keen and dialed into this and they, they want to provide this, we've had really good success in restaurants. But it is an educated, what we call an educated sell. You okay. have to be able yeah. to tell people about it and you have to be able to be confident when you get these kind of questions to be able to answer them related to the myths that people have of overconsumption or, well, I didn't drink enough water or it's Mm -hmm. the sulfites or it's the tannins or stuff like that. You get all of these uh, myths or folklores that will need to be answered uh, effectively for people to understand that your product, that this product really works. And are you in all states? Uh, yes, we are. We're actually been sold in 39 countries so far. Oh, wow. That is very impressive. So you're trying to tell me if I go to like, I don't know, England, I could find you? Um, certainly through Amazon. So we're in all of Europe through the different Amazon channels. Okay. Uh, oh, cool. Again, Costco and Amazon, it's like hand in hand. Like, <laughs> those are like the two big retailers. So <laughs> our listeners, whoever they are, will be able to find the wave or the wand and hopefully the the next product that we shall not name yet yeah um, the product to be named, named. Right to be named. python right right <laughs> exactly. yeah i mean the other thing too that i will say is that if you visit the website drinkpurewine.com you can get a lot of answers to sort of like how it works why it works etc cetera, etc cetera, um in a couple of the different tabs that are available there so um you know again our our episode is called Drink Pure Wine. It's drinkpurewine.com where you can learn more about David and um, and his son's sort of endeavors in building this um, this company and this these products and learn a little bit more about how the products work. So I think I, that's, a, that's a good segue because really the Drink Pure Wine is intended to be what we call a single source of truth. And we don't try and be um, 
clever about that. We really do want to have enough education there related to these kinds of subjects so that people will feel like they come away knowing more about their intolerances that they have. So yeah. through the blogs that I've been writing, some of the blogs that we've had um, with different partners, things like this, which is a podcast, we really are about trying to go through that education process to help people understand how they can drink wine again. They don't have to go off and drink a, uh, let's say, a whiskey or a beer or something like that. They can really enjoy their uh, wine of choice. They don't have to leave wine and go off into another uh, type of alcoholic beverage. So that's really what we're all about is staying in wine, which is really the only healthy uh, alcoholic beverage. I think that's been proven uh, beyond reasonable doubt. That I mean, the only, red wine is the only healthy alcoholic beverage. I mean, I certainly wine. believe that. <laughs> That's my favorite. I don't want to go away honest. from wine. I, no. I love it too much. So, so I, I also do want to point out because for those of our listeners who will be listening to this when it releases, I'm on the website right now and it says if you purchase any pure wine product, you get a free five pack of the new Heart Charm ones. If you place right. the order before February 14th. So guys, if you're interested in this, go on before Valentine's Day. Buy yourself or your loved one a special gift and share all the love with these heart charm wands. So if you look at that, they actually snap off so that you can use them as charms on the wand. And oh, have that's so clever. And we'll be launching uh, for St. Patty's Day. We're going to have a cloverleaf wand and then uh, for mother's day a diamond wand and for uh, national wine day we're going to have the pure wine drop uh, handle so we've got a whole cascade of products that are really intended to be something that are additional conversation starters about pure wine and also make wine uh, consumption fun again yeah it's it's really uh, something that's intended to be a an enjoyment and something they share with friends yeah it's fun and festive and I think I mean that's kind of what we like to do is just like drink wine and the other thing is that you can drink good wine even if there's not a quote-unquote holiday or something every day is a celebration and so you can make every day fun festive and wonderful so and now you can make every day headache and congestion free oh, that's true so <laughs> and every morning too that's that every right. morning that's too right. exactly so Oh my well, goodness. anything else, David, that you would like our last-minute things you'd like our listeners to know? or I think that was really the best thing that we could end on is that uh, the Drink Pure Wine website is a great place to help answer those questions that you have or redirect your friends to it. Of course, we're on all the social channels. you go to some really neat things that we're doing on Instagram and Facebook. We've got a really dynamic presence there, so you'll be able to learn more about little meetups that we have, promotional things that will link back to Drink Pure Wine. Those are just really ways to help people get more activated, learning more about our product. And we also have several different affiliate programs that people can join and become more active in the uh, Pure Wine movement. All right. So I think that that would be the best way to conclude is is we'd love to hear from you and uh, hopefully you have a happy and healthy 2020 with no wine headaches yeah thank you (laughs) 
We will we'll definitely cheers to that. And thank you so much for joining us for this episode. And we thank our listeners for for listening in to one of the cool new products that exist. And I mean, we recently found out about this, and so we are extremely excited uh, to be able to share it and or try it and to share it with others. So um, thank you again, and we will cheers and close out. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.